Just, I don't want to take up too much more time. I want you guys to hear a little bit about what happened uh, in Peru and in the Ukraine. And the reason why I want to make sure you understand what happened there is because it's your fruit. None of the missions that we've done, this year we had a big year in the nations. It was like what the Apostle Paul wrote, that uh, doors of, of, of influence and doors of opportunity swung open to him. We saw that happen to us as a church this year. We touched nations like Mongolia. Mongolia has the youngest church in the world. It's only 32 years old. Christianity has only been in that nation for 32 years. Less than 2%, I think it's around 1.5% of those people even know who Jesus is. I mean, it is, a, it is a new mission field. We were able to go in there as a church as I went in and, and taught uh, at a Bible school there. Also, we were able to go into Japan and preach in a couple of churches. Japan is also one of the major mission fields of the world. Less than 2% of Christians in Japan, all those people, and they don't know about Jesus. The average size of a church in Japan is 20 people. If you have 100 people in a church in Japan, you are considered a mega church. The gospel has been locked up. This year, I was able to go and speak in two churches that were over 100 there and be able to help win souls and build the church there. Uh, we also went into Zambia for the first time, and you got to hear uh, Jeff Duvall and, and the trip that we have planned for next year. And again, thank you so many of you that sponsored kids last week. Man, those are God's kids. Those are God's kids. And that small amount of money of sending something over there every, every month is going to change someone's life. And that's, and that's really what it's all about. And, and then this came up, and I really thought I was done uh, going anywhere. And I got a call, uh, or somebody, uh, a friend of ours from Peru, a missionary, messaged me on Facebook. And he said, hey, I saw Pastor Willard has been speaking in drug rehabilitation centers around your city. He said, we have a big problem in Peru with drug addiction, and I've been going down there. Would you guys be able to send a team and come down? And I said, well, let, let me pray about it, you know, and I took it to prayer and I just really didn't feel like God was having me go, was, was releasing me to go. But then I, I, as I was praying, the Lord brought me to the fact that it was Willard's testimony that this man was drawn to. And so I called, called him back and I talked to Pastor Willard and he was down to go. I said, hey, listen, I, how about if I just send you Pastor Willard, you know, his testimony this seems like something right up his alley. And I think he'd be an incredible person to go. And he said, oh, great. Let me tell you about the trip. And he begins to tell me about the trip. And he begins to tell me, we're going down the Amazon in a boat I just built. Wait a minute, you, you built the boat? 
Yeah, we're going to go down the Amazon and we're going to go into this city. It's called Iquitos and it's one of the only cities in the world that you cannot reach by road. The only way you can get to this city is through being dropped off by a plane or through boat. It's cut off from the rest of the country. So now my mind is racing and I'm going, okay. He goes, yeah, we're going to go talk to some tribes there. And all I could see is people getting shot with blow darts and and I could see anacondas and and I'm going, oh Lord, I'm sending Pastor Willard into the jungle and he's going to stand out because he's going to glow in the dark. All these brown people there and and here comes this weddle right there and this they're going to think he's a ghost in there, God. I got... And so I, I hung up the phone after he told me it. And I said, I got to send somebody with him, man. And the Lord dropped in my spirit, Nate. And I just thought to myself, well, Nate's military. He's been in the, he's been in the military. He served in, in, in uh, where did you serve? In, in Iraq, you know. And, and he's also, I didn't know this, but he later told me later, he's been jungle trained. So the military trained him for the jungle. And so... I, I, I called Nate and I said, hey, Nate, this is what we got going. Uh, the Lord put this on my heart. Would you be open to going? And Nate goes, well, pastor, you know, I've never been on a missions trip. And I thought to myself, what? Uh, most of you know Nate. He's been around us for uh, uh, 13 years. He's been a part of the church, I think. And if you've been here any amount of time, you know, it's kind of odd to not uh, have been on a trip, at least one trip with us, you know. And I go, oh, is that right? And he goes, yeah, I don't even have a passport. I said, well, do me a favor, pray about it. And if you're supposed to go, we can get working on it. Long story short, he prayed about it. And I felt a lot better because I did not want to send Pastor Willard into the jungle uh, unarmed, so to speak. Um, so so we, we sent them off. And uh, I want to thank so many of you that um, gave and helped, the, helped them with raise that money and different things. You know, when we do missions trips, we don't normally come to the body. Uh, most of you guys already are giving to the vision and giving to the house, but many of you just felt led and stepped up and sowed into them. And, uh, but the reason I'm taking all this time to do this this morning is because this is your fruit. If you support Elevate Life Church by your giving, by your tithes, by your offerings, through your serving, what you're supporting is a vision that we have to love God and lift others from the neighborhood to the nation's. And we get it. We all have jobs and families and responsibilities. So you may not be able to go as often as we can. But what, we've been, what we have in our vision is that if we can find somebody who will go, the rest of us will support them in prayer and be a part of the blessing. And King David set up a system in Israel that whenever they went to war, the people that stayed back and took care of the camp, they shared the spoils with them. In other words, everybody got to eat. Amen? We all going to eat off of what these guys did in Peru. That's a little slang. Some of you guys are going, we're having food afterwards? No, what I mean is we all get the, the spoils in the spirit from the fruit that has taken place. Amen? And again, we want to say thank you for supporting the vision of the house. So I'll start with Willard. Yeah, you got some pictures here. You're going to tell us a little bit about the trip? Yeah, so... Um... Uh, just to piggyback on what he said, thank Aww. you guys to oh, all this. I knew it was coming, so I did, I did it for you guys. No. Um, so the overall trip, we were able to go into three drug holes. Now, let me explain the drug holes. We have recoveries here. We have rehabs here where people can go into homes. 
Well, they have drug holes, and the gentleman that went with us, his name is uh, Rodolfo, and he was one of the only people in Iquitos that actually would have a recovery home. But what he found out is that recovery homes weren't successful out there. And so what he began to do is once a week, um, he began to go down into these drug holes, and we can throw a picture up there. Uh, he began to go down into these drug holes to just love on these people. What he found out is that love always wins. And so he would take his time, and this dude has one of the biggest hearts on anybody because of the places that he goes down into that I've, I've ever seen. And he would go down into these drug holes. So we went to three drug holes, and we only had one on the schedule originally. But because of the impact and the effect, two more doors opened. Um, and then we also were able to go to four church services, and we only had three on the schedule originally. And then we were able to go to what they call their, uh, their children's school on a Saturday, which is right there in the rough area of Berlin, down near the drug holes. And then we were able to also visit an orphanage. And then we were able to go along uh, the Amazon into one of the, the villages out there, and we were able to provide clean water and minister to the people. And you did and, get in this homemade boat, right? Yeah, so it's not, it's, there's a lot of rough boats out there, but thank God ours was a little bit nicer. Praise God. It was man. a little bit nicer. Uh, we did see an anaconda running across the front of it, so that was pretty wow. cool. But, wow. Um, it was a baby one, but it was cool. Um, so <laughs> I was like, Nate, look. Nate's Baby's like, got to eat too, man, so I don't know. Then things swim in the water too. I was like, you better crank wow. this thing in gear. So um, if we can get the pictures uh, up on the screen of the drug hole. So originally, I've been in some rough places. Um, here wow. in Sacramento, but let me just tell you guys that the place here, it's a district in Iquitos called Berlin. There is two places in Berlin. There's Upper Berlin and Lower uh, Berlin. The upper part is used for the market and they get their food, their fruit and all those things during the day. And the lower part is where you could say all the people that have got shunned away, uh, people like the drug addicts that they go live um, down in the lower part. And me and Nate originally, he said, all right, we're going to go to the drug hole. And I said, cool. So we hopped off the taxi and we're walking through the neighborhood, but what I didn't know is all these houses in the Amazon, uh, in Lower Berlin, they're built on about 15 to 20 foot stilts. So they got all these long pieces of wood and the houses are up high. Well, we got let off in the upper, uh, the top part on the street. So me and Nate are walking and I'm thinking, man, this is cool. Then there was a little crack that he goes, all right, come on, we're gonna go down in. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, where are we going? Now, mind you, this is all we see. We see this, it's full of mud, it's full, it's just absolutely disgusting. And so what you see here is under, under one of the bridges, that's one of the gentlemen's, we woke him up when we got there. Um, and then you're gonna see a mattress come into the picture right there, and that's basically a luxury to the homeless. And about 5 p.m. every day, that place is loaded with alcoholics and drug addicts. So and this is kind of the trap house where they all go. Yes, it is. And just get high. Trap would be a luxury term, but yes. Really? Yes. Now, and I, and I say this because I know you had experience when you were using drugs, and this is way, way worse, This is right? nothing like I have ever seen. I've been in some pretty rough, dark places around some dark people, but this here was a whole nother level. And so Rodolfo says, come on down, and I'm like, we're going down there? And it is full of mud, it is gross, the smell, everything. Um, you can't see it in this picture, but right there next to this bridge, right about there where you see that water, there's a quick snapshot of the water coming off. That's all the sewage from the city. That's not just running water. Oh, and so you gross. got kids right here. All the water that's on the ground, you got the kids. They're walking with no shoes, some of them. So that's like doo-doo and doo-doo water and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. Oh. If you put it in that term, exactly what it is. <laughs> it is disgusting. I'm just saying. Sewage. That's like it, it's sewage, sewage water. water. 
That's they so had gross. bones and skeletons down there. I was like, whoa, Samson's been through this place. And so... Um, Wait, so you saw a human jawbone? It, I don't know what it was, but it scared, the, it, scared, it scared me. Let me just put it that way. But it was, uh, what was it? Like a hog or something? I don't know what it was. We didn't, who knows? There was a lot of stuff down there we didn't recognize. So we walked down into the drug hole. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, fear gripped my heart quick. It gripped me, man. And uh, my mind did not go into ministry mode. It went into security mode. I'm not even going to lie. I'm like, I could take you, 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 and you. But I don't know if I can get all of you. You know, I was like, me and Nate got to go back to back in this place. <laughs> and I'm serious. But then, um, like I said, so Rodolfo is the only person that these alcoholics and drug addicts will allow down into this place. Yeah, he earned that, though. He earned that. Uh, he's been down here uh, for over, what, 10, 20 years? Yeah. Uh, but when he first went down there, he was actually, he actually got hit over the head with a bat. He's been robbed. Out. He's been chased. He's been all that. But he kept going. And wow. he finally told them, like, hey, I'm just down here to bring the gospel. And that's it. And, and, and he's gotten authority. And so he's allowed down there. And we wow. wouldn't be allowed down there without him. Yeah. Any of the drug. And Pastor areas. James is the, the gentleman Pastor Sergio was talking about that invited us. And he's special operations. So he graduated from the military. He's special operations. This dude's a bad yeah, dude. This guy's the real deal. He's no, yeah. He's from the mountains of Alabama. And uh, he spent time uh, with, with the military. I mean, this guy, is, he's a tough, tough And dude. even he told us, he said, I will not go down there by myself. I won't make it out. And so these people will rob you. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, really rough place. But once we walk down there, fear gripped me. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what we're getting into. Our, our boots are, are halfway up in mud and this nasty stuff. And everybody around there, you're in the middle of them getting high. Yeah. So the drug out there is crack cocaine. They don't have fentanyl. They don't have the pills and all the meth and stuff that we might have out here. They just have crack cocaine. And they, and they cut into these little walnuts and they make a little groove and they make a hole into it My so God. that that's how they get high. And you'll see all of them walking around this lower part getting high. So we're right in the middle of, wow. of them in their darkest place, which is, which is an uh, amazing thing of God's heart for people, that he would send people to walk into the darkest place. And many times, Pastor, I asked myself, I said, man, God, what am I doing here? Like, mm. I'm no good. I'm not worthy to be down here. But why would you send me like into this place? And the Lord said, just think about when you were in your darkest place. Mm. And if somebody brought you the gospel when you were getting high at a trap house or you were in your darkest place and some crazy white person walked in there and started preaching the gospel to you and said, you can get out too. Wow. I said, man, that would be enough ministry for me in itself. Wow. And so after that, we walked down and these people, they're not like the homeless out here. Some of the homeless we see out here, they're fully dressed, shoes, everything. They got food in their hands. No, no, no. These people had shorts on, no shoes, no shirt, full of dirt. Nobody knows the last time they have taken a shower. And once we walked down there, there was a gentleman. So what the crack does to these alcoholics and drug addicts is it literally puts them like uh, stuck. That's the best way to describe it is they're stuck and they sit there and they just stare down at, at the ground. Yeah. They don't move. They might get up and walk around. They walk slow. It's like zombie land down there. But they're literally stuck. And there was one gentleman when we walked down. It was the first guy that we seen. He's sitting there stuck. And he looks up and he sees Rodolfo. Mm. And this dude flat out, he just broke and started, I mean, weeping, weeping. And runs up to him and hugs this guy. And I'm like, okay, Lord, where, where, where we need this to be? Because that's when the peace came upon me. Yeah. When I seen the reaction of the alcoholic and drug addicts. And the way he hugged them, 
That might yeah. sound like something small, but trust me, it's nobody that you would want to hug. It's nobody that you would want to talk to. Yeah. It's nobody that you feel like would even deserve that. So. Right. As, I, as we're walking down, like Willard said, the first thing you think is like, whoa, this is what we're doing? What am I doing here? And as soon as I said that, I saw the, um, the guy went to a Rodolfo and started crying out. And God pointed out, like, I desire all to be saved. And it was like, even these people. Wow. Even these people, no wow. matter what, if there's a breath in their body, they deserve to be saved. Wow. And it really Amen. convicted me. It really like, okay, this is what we're doing. And like you said, the peace came over us, and it was no longer security mode. It was like, all right, who do you want me to talk to? Amen. Guys, we are at war with the spirit of drugs. Uh, it Literally, the name is the spirit of pharmacai. And right now, actually, we're applying for a grant to do some work with young people in South Sacramento to teach them against smoking marijuana. Uh, now, I wanna say this, uh, I think it was Jesse uh, that was telling me this this week. We were having a conversation and I was telling him about this grant. And he goes, we've gotta stop kids from smoking weed because that's where everything starts. Yeah. Nobody starts with crack. Nobody starts with heroin. Nobody starts with fentanyl. They always start at this level of weed, smoking weed. And so anyways, we're going for a grant right now because the same problems they got there, we got here. And so keep us in prayer that we get that grant and it's going to allow us to educate uh, teenagers and also pay them a stipend for coming and getting educated about the dangers of marijuana. And I would encourage you parents out there, I know you got kids and cousins and all these things. We're in a time right now where marijuana is becoming accepted. It's becoming just like having a beer or anything like that. But you need to know it's the plan of the enemy because it never stops there. It always opens up something else. And so I would encourage you guys, even in your homes and those of you that have teenagers, man, set a boundary in your house that we are not going to allow people to come over and smoke weed at our house and bring that into this house because this is a kingdom house. And the church said, Amen. We need to set some boundaries, guys. Amen? Because this is demonic. Go to the next slide. Yeah, so after we basically, we walked around, they showed us uh, the whole area um, here. What we began to do next is we brought down a birthday cake and, and some cola to kind of open the door to just kind of bless the people. There are the houses there. You can see how high they are built. The reason they're built so high is because when the Amazon rises, that's how high the river goes. Wow. And right now it's the lowest it's been in 120 years. So right now everything is, I wouldn't say necessarily dry, but um, there's no water down there. And so what he began to do, Rodolfo, is he began to gather whoever would accept the testimony. Some people walked right by us, but there was a couple people, adults and even children that said, I'll come and listen. And so what you see here is we're praying for one of the guys. Nate, if you would want to share what happened uh, with this gentleman. So this guy... Uh, after, after Pastor Willard gave his testimony, this guy came up and everyone started laying hands on everybody and started praying. And this guy actually had a demon in him and it was casted out of him. And when it casted out of him, it dropped him. Wow. He went to sleep. It was like biblical, like, whoa, I think I read about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And they, they couldn't even hold him up. They were like, got tired, hold him up. And they just laid him down. Wow. Um, same as the other guys. The other guys, man, they, they broke. You didn't think they were paying attention, but they were actually were. Wow. And it was crazy because they were just ashamed. I believe that the, 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 the demonic spirit inside them had them, had them heads down. Wow. And, and when, Pastor, when Pastor Willard gave his testimony, they broke. I just got to tell you, Nate got baptized by fire. His first missions trip, amen? 
Give it up for Nate real quick for saying yes. This was a tough one. This was a tough yeah. one. So, And just going through there, the reason why they didn't have too many pictures and the pictures are kind of crooked and stuff, we had to sneak those pictures. Yeah. They did not want us taking pictures down there. We, we would, it, would, it would draw too much attention and they would try to you know, come after us, try Amen. to rob us. And, stuff. And, and the reason for that is because um, if you're out there taking pictures, they're going to think that you're not there for the right reasons. Mm. And, and I was so telling good. them in the last service that what I notice about a lot of the people while I'm giving my testimony is they're looking me dead in my eye to see if I'm real or I'm fake. Wow. They don't want none of the pictures. They don't want none of that. They're really looking at me going, did this dude really go what I went through? Real Does he know what I'm going real, through? Huh? God is yeah. real. So I'm sitting there going, I got to stare you right back in the <laughs> eye because I ain't breaking because you're not going to, you know. So, I, um, so in the next picture here, you see uh, us giving our testimony. But what was very, very powerful on what God did is Rodolfo has been going into these drug holes for years now. And he says he's lucky if he goes down there and gets one soul saved. Wow. One. Right here in the, in the next picture, if you could throw that up, I'm giving my testimony. And we had from 10 to 15 people raise their hands and give their life to Christ after wow. I gave my testimony. Wow. Here. So, so he goes every month and he's happy to get one. If that, if that. And you guys go and 15 people respond. 15. Wow. And, and his response goes, wow, I've never seen this many people get saved down here. See, and this is the power of missions, guys. And I don't know why God does it like this. I rack my brain all the time. Like, why does it take a white dude from South Sacramento <laughs> to go and share his story to get people that don't even know his world to get their attention and I've seen it time and time again in my life. And, and so this is why, guys, you know, I'm not saying you're going to go to Peru, but just be open to God sending you on a trip at some point in your life. Uh, some of the things you think that you've come out of that you're ashamed of are some of your greatest weapons. Um, what these guys did, I couldn't have did because I don't have your testimony. You know, I, I didn't do those things. And sure, God could have used me a different way, but... You have a story and there's something about you, something about your story that God can use in another nation to where a guy that lives there goes every month and he gets one and you come in and you're able to be used by the Holy Spirit to reap a harvest. I, I think that's phenomenal. So these kids right here, they look like they could be in my neighborhood right there. I, think <laughs> I know that guy right there. No. A, bunch, a bunch of these kids um, were saved as well, as well as some of the people in the back, but yeah, it's, it's amazing when you start, when you, when I start giving my testimony about listening to walls, about chasing things and chasing voices and looking at TVs and blank screens and seeing movies and all these crazy things, they've, they're going through the exact same thing. Mm. And so when they hear me say that, they go, how does this dude from all the way, how does he know the same, what I'm going through? Mm. And that's the way God ministers to them and opens their hearts. So um, that was the first drug hole in the picture. This one is actually the third drug hole. After we finished the first one there, um, Rodolfo was so amazed about how, about how many people received the gospel after that, that he said, hey, could you still want to keep going? And I said, yeah, that's what we're here for. That's what missions is about. We just say yes. And so he said, Amen. I have another one. I have another one 
but it's more in a lighted area, would you be willing to go? And I said, let's go as long as you're my interpreter, you know? And so we went to another drug hole and every single person that I came into contact with gave their life to Christ. We got about five more on that one. Wow, wow. So we're at about a total, yeah, give God a good praise clap. So, so we're at about a total of 20, and then hit this one here, you see about five to seven people, where there were two more people in the beginning. You got um, a Compton I, hat on, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they <laughs> you distracted me. Sorry, sorry, I just thought that was funny. I didn't even notice it. So, right before this, we ministered to two more people, and um, this here, he goes, all right, we're going to go right here around the corner. Uh, right there on that wall... On the other side, sitting uh, in the little, it's not even a room, so to say. It's just like a square with a flat ground. Um, there's a lady sitting there that's fully dressed, makeup, and looks like she's a normal person living in Got the city. Got jewelry on, everything. And she's sitting there in a chair, and she's just watching everything go on. And this is the local drug dealer from that area. Uh, she's, the, she's the queen of the South. Right? She's right the queen there. of Berlin right there. Wow. And so um, a week before we got there, um, the house that we walked past, we had to walk past two, two houses, walk through them, and then get to this area. Um, a week ago, they had a riot on that street because the police raided that house. Mm. And so what happens in Berlin is that when the police come in like that, the people don't back up the police. They back up the drug dealers. It's more of a mafia style that if they don't back them up, they're in fear of what the drug dealers might do to them wow. and being on the police side. So these people are so poor, so there's nothing that they can do. And they found a rice bag half full of AK-47 bullet shells in the house that we were in uh, right near that. Praise God. Yeah, so Man. we had about five to seven more people here give their life to the Lord. If you look there, there's a gentleman with a gray hat in the back. He's actually one of the people that got saved, and he's now in this picture. He's praying for a guy. And so what had happened was when I originally talked to the two, uh, what I began to notice as I was giving my testimony is I would be speaking to one person, and then you would slowly see somebody creep in and start listening. Yeah. And those were the ones that really wanted it, and those were the ones that I seen the most impact in. And this man was one of those people, and he was impacted so much that he walked with us, and he sat next to the guy in the Compton hat. And he sat right there and he listened to my testimony all over again. Mm. And I, and in my heart, after I prayed, they gave their life to the Lord. I said, all right, guys, now let's go pray for them. And I sent everybody out to go pray. And then the Lord put it on my heart, send him, let him know that he's worthy to pray for people. Now mm. let him know that he gave his life to me. His voice can be used for me. So I sent this guy to go pray, but his reaction was quick and he jumped right to it. Mm. And so, uh, Rodolfo comes back to me and he goes, I just want you to know that what just happened is confirmation from God. And it's so amazing that you go to these other nations and you think God is different. He's not. He's the same. Yeah. And what happens is just like he confirms things here for us, all the way in this nation, in this lower part of Berlin, this drug-infested area, God confirmed something to Rodolfo that this kid was a minister. Because he came to me and he said, one of my close friends is working with this guy, but he's been struggling with drugs. But my friend prophesied over him and said that he's going to be a preacher one day. And what I basically did was I sent him into his purpose, into his mission. And he said, that is confirmation from God that this guy is called. Amen. And so uh, now you see here is he's already working and doing the ministry with us. So it was a very powerful thing to see somebody in that area that is, has no idea that we're coming. They had no idea we were coming and to be able to respond that quick to the gospel. Amen. It's kind of like in the Bible, you know, what it happened, is. you know, immediately. So tell us about this guy walking out here. Um, so you don't see the gentleman in that picture, but he was in that last drug hole where everybody was praying. 
And it's very interesting because it was the people that you least expected are the ones that really like responded, so to say. And this gentleman here was standing there and then uh, actually it was towards the end. And then I told the interpreter, I said, well, let's let's talk to him. And I asked him, did something resonate with my testimony? What are you going through? And just kind of break them open. And he said that he had been a taxi driver a month before. And this city runs off of taxis. That's how a lot of people make their income. And he said that I relapsed and I sold my taxi to go down here and get high. And I've been sitting in this room for the last month getting high. Wow. His family didn't know where he was at. His kids didn't know where he was at. Nobody knew where he was at. And he said, I just want to go home. And so the heart that Rodolfo has, he said, we're not going to give you no money. But if you want, we'll pay for your taxi to go all the way back home. And so what you see here is the gentleman said yes, and he walked him right out of the environment wow. that he was in. Wow. That's him right there. Nate can share a little bit about, uh, more about what happened um, to this gentleman while we were praying. Yeah, for as him. we were down there, uh, he came up, and uh, as, as Pastor Willard said, he started you know, questioning him, like trying to break him open. He started weeping and crying. And then when Pastor, uh, we were all laying hands on him, and... He had some demonic in him, and, and when Pastor Willard cast it out, he like jolted, and, and I swear his face changed. It, he's smiling here before in the drug hole. He was not smiling. Mm -hmm. He was sweaty, drippy face, everything, and he just wanted to go home. A lot of the people down there, they just wanted to leave, but they were all stuck. And it's mm -hmm. just the power of, of, of evil down there and, and what drugs do. They just, wow. they just get you stuck. And it took power of God to move him and get him yeah. out of there. Wow. And it was amazing to see just Jesus walking through these slums yeah. and, and saving these people through us. It was amazing. Amen. Well, about five more minutes. Take us through the rest of the slides. Okay, we'll keep going here. So what you see here is uh, the last drug hole that we showed you, literally about less than a half a block away. Um, Rodolfo's wife, she's in the top left corner with the black shirt on. What she does is many of the kids that you see here are homeless. They live on the street. Live on the street. Or parents, it's, it's one of the two. Either they live on the streets, what I, which I don't understand how they can survive, or their parents are both addicted to drugs. It's one of the two. One of the two, it's not either or. And many of these kids here are basically pimped out by their parents. Uh, we had one of the kids here that he sold, sells little bags of alcohol for his mom, and the mom gets all the money. And then as they raise up, uh, especially the women, they sell off their children uh, to sexual immorality. And, wow. and that's what they do. And so like the movie, uh, uh, how many of y'all have seen uh, Sound, Sound of Freedom? Yeah. Anybody seen that? If you haven't seen that movie, you need to see that movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real thing, especially in it these It is countries. a real deal problem that we have out here. Uh, and anybody that supports pornography and is a part of it is adding to the problem. And it's in countries like these that they're snatching up these kids, man. Uh, and you got to see some of that. Yeah, huh? and what was very interesting here is that when uh, the women walked up to the kids' school on Saturday first, but then when the men walked up, every single boy there sprinted to us and snatched us and squeezed as tight as they could. Wow. And then I'm sitting there going, whoa, what's going on? And then Pastor James, uh, pa or Rodolfo comes over and he says, the men here in this village don't show them no affection or love. My so God. any moment they get to get affection and love from a man... They run to it and they get it. It's the little boys there that, that dealt with Amen. that. Amen. As we were leaving, they were just all like, yes, we get to hug again. You know, that's what really? I felt like. So they all yeah. lined up again and hugging us. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. Yeah. This wow. was actually right down the street, like literally three houses down from that drug hole that we were just wow. at. Yeah. So another message point, hug your kids. Amen. Show them some love. Amen. 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 Dads, Amen. 
I know some of us had dads that didn't show affection or emotion, uh, but don't repeat that mistake. I was lucky to have a dad that always gave me a kiss and still kisses me on the cheek when I go and see him. And uh, so, and I, I kiss my kids on the cheek. The cheek, amen. <laughs> I'm not Tom Brady, amen. I'm not Tom Brady. You, uh, you have seen that, it's another joke. Anyways, so what's going on here? Nate's preaching. Yeah. Well, one of the churches we were able to go to that, that opened up um, for us, um, pastor, uh, the pastor there was like, hey, I want you to give your testimony. And I was like, okay, good, cool, let's go. And I was thinking about it, I was like, wait a minute, what's my testimony? <laughs> I was like, so, and it, so on the way there, I was riding the back, we were riding the back of a truck. I was like thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, this happened. And I was putting it together. But what, what uh, God put in my heart was my dad. And I was like, okay. I was like, man. And I was thinking about his testimony. I was like, wait, you know, how, do, how, do, how can he share his testimony? You know, he's not around anymore. And God put in my heart. He's like, well, share his testimony then. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. And then uh, Pastor James confirmed it. He was like, he, during praise and worship, he just leaned over. He's like, hey, Nate, just uh, if you want to share a testimony, you can. Or just he share an encouraging word. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to share my dad's testimony. Mm. And so I got a chance to do it. And it was, it was amazing. And wow. they really responded to it. And it was definitely God's timing for it. Wow. So what you see here is this is actually a service that we're preaching at to the youth. And um, this is one of the doors that opened last minute. I had prepared to preach at a church. And then as we were going over there, the pastor said, you're preaching at a youth service. And I said, great. I like to do that. So I said, that's not too hard. So I actually switched my whole message. And uh, prior to that day, the Lord just kept dropping one word on me. And the word was suicide. And, and he just kept dropping it. And I didn't know why. I didn't know if it was from him. I didn't know what was going on. I know I'm not suicidal. So I was like, all right, God, what on me? And then when I found out it was a youth service, I knew instantly when I walked in, somebody's dealing with suicide. And so actually what you see here is I had two prayer groups. I had one go to this side. And then I prayed for people that were dealing with suicidal thoughts on this side. And there was only one person that came up. And this was the kid. He got set free here uh, in this picture is what you see. He got delivered from some demonic spirits that have been tortured wow. and tormenting him there. Praise so, God. Yeah. Praise God. Go to the next one. This is just the same service, continuing to pray uh, for the people. God's power showed up in, in, a, in, a, in a miraculous way. And it was right on time for what um, these kids needed in their lives as well. Amen. Go to the next one. Um, this is me just preaching. This was another service uh, of the three. We went to three services on Sunday, and this was the third service that I preached that same thing. Power of God dropped. People were delivered. They were crying and getting healed the whole nine yards. And uh, this is actually not a Pentecostal church. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so I didn't know that before I preached. We brought but it. I just kind of went on. I just went for it. You know? We brought it, though. <laughs> we definitely brought the power of God. And so afterwards, I said, hey, pastor, uh, did I cross any lines or anything? Because I don't even know what you, you know, believe. And so he was like, she was like, no, 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 we don't, we're not Pentecostal, but we're also not closed off to the Come other on. areas of the That's body good. of yeah. the church. Amen. So if God's going to bring that, we don't want to hinder God from our people receiving anything, which I thought was a great heart as a pastor for them to have. Amen. And so it was a blessing to be a part of this one as well. Amen. Is there any others? Oh, yes. Real quick, tell us about the water ministry. So what you see here is this is the ministry. Uh, this is Pastor James's ministry. He goes down the Amazon, and uh, what you see here is a five-gallon bucket of water that has been directly walked down. They scooped it out of the Amazon, and their grandparents, their parents, and them, all these tribes, they don't know any better. 
and this is what they've been drinking for the last God knows how many years. And actually what Pastor James has been finding out is that there's a big ministry, and I don't want to say their name, but they're involved in bringing clean water to some of these tribes. And as he's bringing these water filters house to house, he noticed that there are brand new wells that have been built in these villages. They're brand new, never touched. And what this ministry is doing, they pay a guy to go build the well. However, they're leaving nothing to be able to know nothing to provide power to pump the water out of the ground. So what he's been noticing is that all these wells are not being used and the money is going to waste. Now, this is a problem with a lot of, Mer- of American missions. Uh, and this ministry is a very big ministry. If I said their name, you would all know. And I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But unfortunately, when you don't know how to go into missions, right, you raise money. And what these ministries do, they raise money to build a well. They put a well in there, but they don't take the time to train anybody to run it or, or generate how's the, where's the power going to come from to, to move the well and to get things going. And so they kind of, I hate to say it, but many times it's a, it's a tool that's used to raise money from people and so that they can say, hey, we put a well here. And yes, they put a well there, but because they don't care about some of these places, the well just sits and there's no power to run it. And there's nobody that knows how to do it. And people are sending money to these evangelists on TV and things and thinking, oh yeah, we're doing something. And unfortunately in my travels, I found this a lot happens. Uh, and we always just think somebody else is gonna do it. Uh, and that's why it's so powerful to have our own boots on the ground to go make sure things are getting done the right way. And so thank you guys for doing that. So what's happening with this uh, filter here? Um, so the, this is the fifth follow-up that they've came. And it's very interesting because when James showed up, he's a white person like me. And these people, they thought he was a face peeler. A what? A face peeler. What does that mean? You guys mean? are all looking at me crazy. Like a white person that comes and steals your face to come to kill you. And so nothing did that, that happen in history. That was, or so, so these were rumors I, that uh, a lot just, of drug dealers put out in these, uh, in yeah. these tribes to keep keep them afraid and fight the white man coming yes. in. So the minute they see a white person, they're ready to like. Yeah, they're ready to stab. If you don't you have any relationship, wow. it, yeah, yeah. They all stood on the bank of the Amazon as James came in for the first time. But he doesn't do nothing without the local church and through a relationship with somebody that he knows. And this is, they let him in. And after the first time they let him in, they seen kind of what he was about and what he was doing. And they allowed him to come. And this is the fifth follow-up here. And what we might think of just putting like, uh, the best way I could put it is you take a bottle cap and put it on a bottle. It's common sense to us. We know how to do that. They don't have that out there. So when you hand them a bottle cap and a bottle and you say, put the cap on, they're like, what do I do with this? It is important that you follow up with these, uh, these tribes and these people. And so it takes five follow-ups so that he knows when I leave here, these people know how to clean the filter. Now, if they keep uh, good maintenance on the filter and it's simply just squeezing some of the water that's clean out of the bottom and shooting it through the other end of the filter, it's simple. We might know things like that, but they don't. And so if they clean the filter, they'll receive up to clean water for 20 years, y'all. Wow. 20 years. If they don't clean it, it'll last only a year or two. 
And so what you see here is they use gravity and where we would put our TV in our house, they put the five gallon bucket of dirty water and they build a little frame for it there. And then they put another one. And what they do is they put the bucket up there and they put the filter down. It takes about 20 minutes to get them about three to five gallons of fresh water. And what a lot of these tribal people, they're they're very prideful. They don't want to admit that they have problems uh, with uh, not pesticides. What's it called? Uh, parasites. Parasites. I keep saying pesticides. But um, you'll see in the old photos, a lot of these people, like the Indians, they're, they're, they have six packs and they're in shape, but their stomachs are really bloated. And it's from the parasites. And they don't know any better. They just say, this is the water that my family drink from. And so they'll have trouble sleeping at night. They'll deal with headaches. They'll have many, many stomach problems. And they won't tell you in the group setting. But what we found out through this ministry is that when you go door to door, they all open up and say, yeah, we've been struggling. And so on this specific visit, they had a questionnaire to ask how they were doing. And we had a report from every single home that received a filter that none of them are sick, they're all sleeping, and none of them are dealing with headaches. Wow. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Let's give it up for them one time. Amen. Um, I, and I mean it when I say this. We share in this fruit. Those of you guys that support this house, as you could see, the, uh, the need is great out there. Uh, man, we need some of those water filters right here in Sacramento. Amen. <laughs> some of those uh, over here. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the need is great. And this is what I believe we're called to, to play a part in, in the body of Christ. Well, I didn't just send Willard off and, and sit home in my couch. When God had told me not to go to Peru, I kind of found out why. About a month later, I got this invitation to go to the Ukraine. And I really had to pray about this. As you know, the war between Russia and Ukraine has been going on for quite some time. Uh, it's actually two years now that this has been happening. And it's been political. It started off a big part in the USA, uh, all supporting the Ukraine. And then uh, it's become political in our country to where, you know, uh, if you're a Biden supporter, they support the Ukraine. If you're not a Biden supporter, oh, they're, they're, they're against this war. It's become a problem where Pastor Troy was having a hard time getting support to, to, for this trip because churches were saying, we don't want to help out the Ukrainians because this is Biden's war. And I just could not believe that Christians are allowing this political spirit to infiltrate our vision. Listen, I don't care what side of the aisle you are on, Democrat or Republican, we are about the church of Jesus Christ. And so he said he had a hard time getting people to come on this trip and he had a hard time uh, getting churches to donate and give money to this because of the political aspects. So when I prayed about it, I felt to go and it wasn't because of of politics. It was because I want to help the church of Jesus Christ. I want to help people that I'm going to see in heaven one day from the Ukraine. These are our brothers and sisters. They're in the family of God with us and they are in need. And so uh, he said that this political thing has really kept things out. So we prayed about it and I felt to go and, uh, you know, I started doing my research on it and I started finding out about the city. And he had told me, you know, where we're going, it's going to be safe. Don't worry. Um, most of the war is taking part on the border of near the border of Russia and Poland. We're going to be over here near the border of Moldova and uh, it's going to be fine. Well, after he told me that, I started noticing uh, news reports of bombings in Odessa. 
And I started going, okay, Lord, where, where are you sending me? Uh, you know, from, from, we're going to go into that war zone. So, uh, you know, everything kind of lined up and, and we we're able to get in there. The night uh, that I arrived, and I think uh, my, my daughter showed you the footage last week when I sent the greeting, uh, there was a drone strike. And all of a sudden, yeah, there it is on the screen behind me there. I know it looks like 4th of July in South Sac too. I get it. Uh, but it's not. Amen. These are literal uh, uh, anti-aircraft um, machines shooting down drones. And what the Russians were doing is they sent an airstrike over Odessa because it's the main port in that nation. And this was not too far from our hotel there. And my interpreter's the one that got me the uh, footage there from the news or something like that. So that was the, the night I was flying in. And I'm just thinking, okay, Lord, you know, I know you got me. And I, I mean this. I had a peace the entire time that I was there, knowing that even this stuff was going on. Uh, there was one point we were out getting dinner uh, outside of our hotel. And I posted this on our Instagram stories where all of a sudden the bomb alert started going off. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit uh, because I ain't never been nowhere where an actual bomb alert is going off. I remember they used to test them around here from time to time, once a month they'd put it on, but this was completely different. And I'm noticing, I'm hearing this in the, in the sky and I'm, I'm noticing that people aren't running or nothing. So we're trying to ask people, hey, is this real? Is it a test? But nobody on the street spoke English. I mean, I was, I was, they, they don't speak English there at all. And so we ended up running back to our hotel and talking to the lady there and saying, hey, we're hearing the sirens. She said, yeah, there's a, there must be an airstrike. Whenever they see anything on radar that's flying into our airspace, they, they put that on. She says, you're free to go down into the, into the bomb shelter. And so I'm like, oh man, well, I'm like, how come you're not going? And I said, how come nobody else is even tripping? And she goes, well, you got to understand, this has been happening with us for two years. And sometimes we go into the bomb shelter, sometimes we don't. We usually wait for an explosion nearby. And uh, she said, but it's open if you guys want to go down there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're like, what do we do? You know, and I said, well, if you're not going down there, I ain't going down there. And then she gets real serious and she goes, but listen, if you hear it in the middle of the night, please go down there. Just don't even, don't even think about it. Get out of your bed, get dressed and go down there. So she put a little fear in us before we went to bed, you know, but, uh, but that, that's, what, that's what happened the first night. Go ahead, let's show some of the other slides. Uh, it's got a couple minutes left. So this right here is a collection of shells at the pastor's office. And uh, I'm telling you, they've been in a lot of warfare in the region and the, I said to the pastor, what, are, what is this? He says, well, these are anti-aircraft uh, uh, shells and there's bullets and there's all sorts of things. I said, why are you collecting this? He goes, because I want to show the devil he can't kill me. He says, these are all testimony that God has been protecting us. And so anytime an attack happens nearby them, he's collected the shells. And this is actually in his office. Uh, and go to the next one. And so, I mean, they're really, these guys are warriors, these pastors. Matter of fact, this one right here, to honor Pastor Troy and I, they made us a clock out of the shape of the Ukraine, but they put these actual shells from the war that many of the pastors had picked up outside their churches or outside their homes. And they, and they presented us these in the service. And they just said, we want to thank you guys because we realize 
how brave and courageous you would have to be to come join us in this war zone. I mean, ah, it just, it touched my heart. I automatically just, just teared up. And I just thought, man, this is, this is awesome. I thought I'm gonna put this in my office. It's a great conversation piece. I could tell my grandkids, this is when I was in the Ukrainian war, <laughs> preaching the gospel. You know, I was, I was all geared up for it. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, and then I get to the border after the trip and I had put this in my luggage and I checked in and everything, and, and I went to the lounge because we had about an hour and a half wait. And we're sitting up in the lounge, and we're eating. And this soldier comes in there, and he's checking everybody's passport. And he checks people's passport, and he comes over to us. He checks our, he checks our passport. I give him my passport. He looks at it, looks at me, and he says, points at me, and he says, let's go. He doesn't speak any English. And so he starts walking out with my passport. And you don't ever let anybody take your passport in another country. So I'm like, I guess I'm going with him. And Troy's like, all right, I'm praying, you know. (laughs) And so he takes me up, down, back to where I checked in. And they find an interpreter. And the interpreter looks at me and she's pretty angry. She says, why are you smuggling ammunition in your luggage? And I go, oh, the clock. What had happened is they put the x-ray on my luggage and all that came up was the shells in my luggage. So they thought I was taking ammunition out of the country. And I said, no, no, no. And I I opened my luggage and I pulled it out and I showed it to them. And they were, I thought they were going to be relieved. They were still mad. Like, fool, why are you bringing this? You know, and I was like, and they said, well, you can't take it. And I said, well, you can keep it. I I don't have anything else. And so they x-rayed the rest of the luggage and they let me go. Uh, But that was a kind of crazy moment there in time. Uh, go back to the other picture that you just showed. So the church that I invited us and that was putting on this conference, man, their vision, it was like we were like spirits. Um, they're doing what we do, man. They, they were, and they've teamed up with Samaritan's Purse, which is Franklin Graham's ministry, uh, Billy, uh, outskirt of Billy Graham. And uh, they hand out clothes every week and they're clothing people. Um, the city I was in, they lost a million people due to the war. They left the city. So think about Sacramento. Sacramento is about a million five hundred people, I think, at this point. Think about if a million people just left our city and what that would look like in the neighborhood. So they estimated there's only about 300,000 people left in a city that was once close to a million five hundred thousand. And so businesses are shut down. Uh, people have lost everything. And so the winter season's coming and they're just trying to get clothing. Go to the next one. Uh, and this is their food, food lines. So every week they give out groceries that come in from the U.S., come in from places like Germany through, through churches. It's the church doing this. It's not government agencies. It's not, you know, this government or that government. It's literally ministries that are sending aid over. This is the beauty, guys, of the church of Jesus Christ all over the world. Now, I know churches are not perfect. I know you're never going to find a perfect church. And there's a lot of criticism about church. But when you look at what the church is doing globally, uh, there was a statistic that came out that the Christian church has done more for humanitarian aid than all the rest of the nations in the world combined. In a tight second is America. So it's the church, America, and the rest of the world. We're the only ones that think about things like this. And so this church is partnered and they feed thousands every week. Go to the next uh, script, go to the next picture. 
And um, as I told you before, uh, they've not only lost church buildings, they've lost people. And for the pastors, this is how they, they, they live their lives. They, they live off of the provision of the house. And so many churches have lost 50 to 75% of their members and they don't have church members anymore. And so pastors are in need. So uh, churches are empty because people have fled the country and different things. So this was a great victory the week I was there. They were baptizing 42 new converts into Christianity. And this is how God is rebuilding the church through evangelism and sharing the gospel. And these people were being baptized that day and they put them all in white and they, uh, they take them down, they put them in this pond and they uh, and baptize them. Go to the next one. Now this was a building in Odessa there that had been bombed, uh, some missile damage or a drone uh, had hit it. And I was able to see parts of the city uh, that, are, that are beautiful. Parts of the city that are gorgeous, man. Um, it's, it's very European. So if, you're, if you've ever been to Europe or London or any of those, the streets look like that. The, the city is, is it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. But much of it has gone, taken some hits like this. And so this is one of the apartment buildings that had just been hit. Go to the next one. And uh, this is at the pastor's meeting. Uh, these pastors came from all over the Ukraine. And man, the stories, I, I, I wish I could take time to tell you all the stories. Many of them showed me videos of their churches being blown up, uh, losing congregations, losing people, um, and um, the, the church as a whole losing 70% of their shepherds. I mean, imagine. And when I asked why this is, he said, well, basically anybody with money has fled the war. And so what you're left with is you're left with the blue collar people. You're left with the, the lower and the middle class that are left to carry the gospel. So God gave me a word about Gideon's army. In the Bible, Gideon had an army of 22,000. And God said, send them all home. All I need is 300. And so we began to preach that to them and we ministered to them. And I've never preached amongst people that were so grateful in my entire ministry. After the meeting, we would eat lunch with them and they would all come up one by one and say, thank you. We know it's a big deal for you to be here. You left your family, you left your churches to come into a war zone and we thank you. And they were so, so grateful. Go to the next one. So these are the pastors. Uh, and most of you know Pastor Troy. This picture trips me out because Pastor Troy and I are from right here in South Sacramento, y'all. I went to David Reese. Uh, he went to Samuel Kennedy. Uh, we went to James Rudder, graduated from Valley High School. He played football for Valley. We grew up in these streets right here. And in this picture, fast forward 32 years, we're both in the Ukraine, helping these incredible men of God get through a war. The gentleman right behind me there told me a story of how his entire church got bombed, how he lost his entire congregation. Uh, many people died in his church. The gentleman with the beard over here told me stories of just, you know, how it, the war has affected his city. And here are two guys, a Mexican and a black dude in the Ukraine. Guys, I kid you not, we walked around. We were the only people. He was the only black guy and I was the only Mexican I saw on that whole trip. I thought, man, if we ever do a crime, we're done. They will find us right. It was the black guy and that would be it. It was the brown dude. That's it. And it was just 
it was just wild, guys. And I would go back to my hotel and I would just, I would weep. Because I would go, God, why us? And he always takes me back to the book of Isaiah where God questions Isaiah and he says, who will go? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And that's been the story of my life. Every platform I've got on, every plane I've flown to, every country I've gone to is here am I, send me. And what I love about you guys is you guys are always down for whatever. I look across this place, I see this front row right here. I see these guys that have gone with me to different nations, putting work in the Philippines. I see this young lady right here that stood on platforms with me. I see some of you guys out here that have had the opportunity with me to go and take the gospel, not just from the neighborhood, but also to the nations. Guys, it's a special thing, but it's something not just our church should be doing. I fully believe every believer should carry the burden of the nations. When you read Genesis to Revelations, it's always been about the nations. David wrote about my house, the house of God shall be a house of prayer. And that's usually where people stop, but it says it shall be a house of prayer for all nations. For all nations. Sometimes we make the gospel a white thing, make it a black thing, we make it a brown thing. Listen, it's in everything, okay? I know my brothers and sisters, the Lowe's, have such a heart for the Hmong people in Thailand and different places. So does God. So many of us, we've been different places. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to make a declaration. We're going to keep going. We got to just do our part. Now, we can't do everything, but we can do our part. But I want to close with this. Sunday, next Sunday from 6 to 9, we're going to love on this community. Because what good is it? If we just send people around the world, but we don't take care of our brothers and sisters right here. I need you to pray about two things this week. Number one, you pray that we get this grant that's going to help us uh, teach teenagers about the dangers of marijuana. I want you to pray for that for us because I believe that's one of our callings is to come against this drug addicted spirit. And if you've been dealing with addiction and anything like that, please come see us. We want to pray for you. God set people free in Peru, but he could set you free this morning. Pray for that we get that grant and that we continue to get opportunities to help young people right here against drugs and alcohol. Second, I want you to pray for this outreach this week. And I want you to watch that video that Pastor Tina has on YouTube. Just go to Elevate Life Church on YouTube. It'll come right up. And let the scriptures get in your heart that it's not just my job to share the gospel, it's yours. Now, next Sunday, we have a real fun way to do it. You don't have to get on a, a, a box and preach to people. All you need to do is come out and engage this community. We're expecting about 1,300 people, families, kids of all ages. Sky and George, they're putting together a great gospel band. We're going to be sharing testimonies. We're going to give away prizes. We're going to love on people. We're going to have our prayer booth out here to pray for anybody that needs prayer. We're going to share testimonies and we're going to give people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So make sure you're here for that. We still need people to serve. Listen, it may seem like, ah, oh, it's just a, man, we do this every year. Yes, but every year we touch lives. Amen. I said it before, uh, the Browns uh, came to Jesus at an outreach. They've been a part of our church now over 10 years. Ray and his son came at our Christmas outreach. I mean, every year we're sowing seeds. And guys, 
this is our opportunity to love on the city. Amen. So do whatever you can. I know some of you might have plans already. already that's fine. No condemnation. But if you can, be here. And if you can do a booth, there's still places you could sign up. Or maybe you just can come and serve and help us in different areas. We are believing next week that we're going to see uh, darkness dispelled and people see the light. Amen. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.